All right, all right. While you guys are uh, grabbing a seat and uh, hanging out as we're kind of transitioning in this time, I want to just tell you about a couple different things that are happening here at Youth. All right, this, uh, this Thursday, this Thursday, so two days from now, we have our drop-in volleyball at Surrey Christian Middle School. If you were there a couple weeks ago, you know that it was amazing, it was awesome, very competitive. We almost killed each other, it was great. Uh, so you guys are welcome to come. Uh, Thursday, volleyball, 7.30, Surrey Christian Middle School be there. It's awesome. Uh, next week, we have our first of many trainings for the creative team. We had a creative team meeting a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was awesome. It was great. We had a, a good group of students just kind of learning, wanting to know film, photography, graphic design, all that good stuff. So our first training is this coming Monday. So mark your calendars if that's something you are a part of, or you're going, oh, I missed the last one, but I want to join in here. Monday is that. Uh, Wednesday, next Wednesday, we have our talent show, okay? Now you're thinking, I know you guys are going, man, I'm quite talented. You can't just show up, okay? You gotta sign up, registrations on the Instagram, on our website, so go to thisisvillageyouth.com. Yes, thisisvillageyouth.com. Click the events, sign up your team. You can do whatever, okay? If you have like the, the spiritual gift of, I don't know, bottle flipping, go for that, or if you have an amazing eye technique. I don't know what you guys have as, as talents. Bring those, uh, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a lot of fun and uh, we're excited. Hey, if you are new here, uh, we just wanna give you guys uh, a special welcome. This is probably pretty overwhelming. You show up to this random scary warehouse in the middle of nowhere. You're like, is this where I'm going to die? And, uh, and you come up here and then you see all these like really sweaty teens jumping up at the front and you're like, I can't tell if this is like a rave or some kind of weird party, or what's going on here. Um, you probably have sweats everywhere, all over. Other people sweat. It's kind of a, a ridiculous situation. This is just a church thing, okay? We, we sweat on each other. It's fine. That's what we do. And, uh, and so we don't want you guys to feel kind of uncomfortable. If you see people raising their hands kind of afterwards, uh, when we go back into some of the songs and stuff, just, you don't have to do any of that. Just feel comfortable being you into this space and kind of just take it in. You don't even have to sing. If you want to look at the words, if you want to do whatever, feel free to do that. And uh, we want to encourage you guys to just feel comfortable here, just have some conversations, uh, listen to some guys, chat about some stuff, and uh, it's going to be a great night. Um, before we get started, let's uh, just play the video to intro what this series is all about, and then I'm going to introduce our guest speaker. All right. Uh, so today, we have the honor and the privilege of uh, getting Dan with us. Dan, you can uh, come on out. Uh, this is a very Dan, different Dan than the first Dan that we had. This is Dan Gillis. If you do Dan in the first letter of his last name, it's just Dang, right? So that's what I call him. I call him Dang. I've never actually called him that until right now. And uh, he is the most uncool, cool person you're ever going to meet. He's super cool, but he tells everybody he's not, and it's awesome. Uh, Dan is, is uh, on staff at Village with us. He does Village Kids at uh, our Langley South campus, and uh, he's awesome. 
he's uh, one of those guys who you just are around and you just feel holiness. And it's kind of terrifying. He's uh, moderately holds coffee as an idol. That's okay. But, uh, but he's awesome. He's, a, he's an unreal dude who uh, just laughs and skates and does all of this good stuff. Uh, me and Dan have a long history. Uh, I used to think he was my stalker at one point, but that's another time, another time, another story. And uh, we are very, very blessed to have him here today. Let's give Dan a round of applause and uh, get ready for him. Well, good evening, Village Youth. Um, it is a great honor to be with you tonight. You guys are in a series in Genesis, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6 uh, tonight. Um, before we jump into the Word, I have a quick uh, announcement. Um, as Chinch said, I work uh, with Village Kids, and uh, we're doing something really exciting this summer. Um, the biggest and best thing Village Kids is doing this summer is what we're calling Loft Country. And uh, some village kids in the back, people are laughing because um, they know what's up. We're doing loft country, and we want you to be a part of it. So uh, anyone here like water balloons, water guns, and slip and slides? All right, we're glad that you like those. Uh, we would like you and your friends to come and be a part of loft country this summer. It's happening August 10th through 12th. And we would especially want you guys to be a part of um, August 10th and 11th. Uh, that's the Thursday and Friday. So um, at the back, there's going to be an iPad at the end. Uh, come by, myself and Michael are going to be there, and we would love uh, to get you um, to be a part of um, Loft Country. Um, so that's my announcement. There's a little thing up on the screen there for you. So we're in Genesis chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Uh, if you have that on your phone, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6. I don't know where my notes are. <laughs> I have one page of notes. Hold up. This is not good. I think they're backstage. Okay. Well, I think Daniel's looking for those. Um, okay. Anyways, we are in Genesis chapter 6. Um, I have a, a confession to make. I am not from around here. I'm actually... Uh, from the East Coast. Anyone else here from the East Coast? Okay, we've got like, okay, three of us. Uh, I'm from the East Coast of Canada, and um, I grew up not in Ontario or somewhere else. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. I don't know how I lost those. Come on. That's good. All right. That is so good. We're off to a good start. Perfect. Okay. We're all settled away here. Um, so I'm from the East Coast of Canada. Um, and so I grew up in Prince Edward Island, and growing up on an island, I loved the water, right? So I would walk five minutes one way, and I'd be at the beach. I'd walk five minutes the other way, and I'd be um, at another beach. And so I loved the water. But as I've grown older, uh, my love for the water has grown less and less. Uh, like a few weeks ago, we were uh, at Big Splash Water Park. I don't know if you've ever been there. They've got these like water slides and stuff. And so we're chilling there. And uh, I'm one of the very few people who's not in the water, right? I'm like one of the only people who's dry. Everybody shows up in their bathing suit, right? And I don't even own a bathing suit. Um, and so everyone's there. They're hanging out. And I guess I'm too busy shooting people with a water gun, right? And so I'm just having a good time. And I accidentally or maybe on purpose, I squirt the wrong person, right? Um, I spray Pastor Cliff. Anyone know Pastor Cliff? Okay, you can pray for him. Because uh, when, I, when I 
sprayed Pastor Cliff within moments. He takes me by one hand and he throws me in the water like Hulk Hogan. All right. And in moments, I am absolutely drenched. Like he didn't even let me take my shoes off. Right. And so within moments, I am soaking wet. And so you can see why I'm not really a fan of the water. But my dislike of the water has actually gone back a little bit further. Uh, A few years ago, uh, one of my friends gets a brand new speedboat. And so he, he sends me a text. He's like, dude, I bought this brand new speedboat, and it's big, and it's got these, like, nice leather seats in his speedboat and, like, cup holders. Like, it's beautiful. So he texts me, and uh, he picks me up, and we drive down to where his, uh, where his boat is docked, right? And so we uncover it, and we undo uh, the, the ropes that it's tied to, and we jump in the speedboat, and he turns this thing on, and, in, and we just start cruising into the ocean, right? And it's beautiful. It's a hot day. It's nice. It's like the best moment to be out on the water. And so while we're cruising out in the water, he looks at me and he says, Dan, have you ever thought about wakeboarding? Have you ever tried it? And I'm not that great at sports. Like you can probably tell by my amazing physique. I have no athletic abilities whatsoever. And so I immediately say, of course, I would love to wakeboard. And so he gets me this life vest and every, I don't know about you, but I find every life vest is just like, it's like they're made for kids. They just like suck your insides right in. And so I get this life jacket on, it's like too small. I don't know like what they're thinking when they make those things. And so I've got this life vest on and I strap into this board and I sit in the water and he throws me this this rope that I hold on to and it only takes me about 30 tries and finally I'm up on the water on this wakeboard. And within moments I go, something clicks in my mind and I think that I'm a professional wakeboarder, right? Like I'm weaving behind the boat back and forth and I got a little confidence now and I'm riding this thing. And so I do the only logical thing I know to do and I tell him to go faster, right? I'm like, speed this thing up, right? This is a new speedboat. And so he puts it uh, a little faster and and it kind of gives me a little kick and I'm weaving and still thinking I'm a pro. Eventually I signal to him him enough that he's going as fast as his brand new speedboat can go, right? And I'm flying. The only problem, though, is that we're not in lake. We're actually in the ocean. And so there's like, there's like pretty big waves, right? And so my confidence is a little bit down because it's a little too fast to go back and forth behind the boat. And all of a sudden, it starts to get choppy and my nose digs right into a wave. And in in seconds, I am airborne, like literally airborne, because we're going as fast as this thing can go. And then, have you ever skipped a rock? Anyone ever skip a rock? You know how that rock like bounces off the water and then it sinks? That's exactly what my face did to the water. And so my friend comes back and he picks me up and he pulls me into the boat and literally, I kid you not, I could not remember what I had done that day. Like I had no idea. I, the only thing I could, I remember is riding like a pro and that I wanted to do it again, right? And I, was, I thought that was amazing and I wanted to go again and I seemed absolutely fine. But two weeks later, I went to the ER and I got an x-ray on my chest only to realize that I had not only one or two, but three broken ribs. And what, when I had thought that I just had a concussion, what I realized is that I had a more severe injury 
than I had thought. And I want you to consider with me this evening that could it be that there's something more under the surface, that there's something maybe more severe going on in your heart than you might even realize. And that's exactly what we see in Genesis chapter 6. We see that um, in, in Genesis, the state of the human heart was much, much worse than they had realized. And so let's read in Genesis chapter 6. If you have your Bible, we're going to be reading verse 5. And this is what it says. Genesis 6 verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Verse six, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. Look here what God's saying about humanity. The state of the human heart has gotten so bad. It has gotten worse and worse and worse to the point where God looks down at his creation and it's as if he regrets the day he made the world. And so it says in verse 7, so the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. We find hope in verse 8, but Noah found favor and the eyes of the Lord. Let's pray. God, I just pray that in these next few moments that you would speak to us that your Holy Spirit would come and awaken the words of your scripture to us. God, reveal to us where in our hearts we need to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would see Jesus and never be the same. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right, so in Genesis, we see this reoccurring theme. It's this theme of chaos. And uh, chaos is uh, it's when something is out of order. It's when things are not as they should be. And so uh, maybe you ex- you've experienced this in your, your own life, right? So, so like after, after youth group tonight, uh, you're going to go home, right? And you're going to walk into your room. And maybe you walk into your room. Maybe this is probably like a grade 11 boy. Uh, and so they walk in to their room and they're like, dude, something's different, Right? All the grade 11 boys know what, the, know what I'm talking about, right? You walk in your room like, something is different. This is not the way that I left my room. It smells weird, right? And so every grade 11 boy is like, mom, mom, what's up with my room? And your mom like trickles down the stairs and she comes into your room and she's like, what? And what happened was your mom just did your laundry. And so you're looking for your thing, whatever that is. Uh, maybe your cell phone or something, and you think things aren't the way that you left them, and that's just because your mom did your laundry. And we've all been in this place where we, we come to a situation and things aren't the way they should be. Maybe for you, you've experienced a, a split in your family. Maybe a loss of a loved one, or maybe it was something done to you by someone else, and that experience has left you feeling like things aren't the way they should be. Things aren't right. And so the, the first time we see this is in, is in the very creation itself. It's in Genesis chapter 1. We see this in the creation in the first few verses when it says, the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face 
of the deep. In other words, the world was chaotic. It had no form. It had no order. There was this, it, the world was as if it was this big, giant blob hanging out in the midst of absolute darkness. And so out of this chaos, God says, let there be light. And he brings order and flourishment and life to this formless world. And so God makes plants and animals and trees, and he calls the dry land to come up out of the water. And then we even see this theme of chaos, even in the creation of man. See, God even creates order out of chaos when he creates us. And so we read, we read this, um, that God takes dirt, dirt, and he forms it into man. He begins to take the dirt of the ground and form it. But the only thing is that it's just a shell. It's just a body. And so God, he takes this body and he breathes into it the breath of life. And man becomes a living soul. He becomes a human being. God, we see in this creation account, we see a God creating life and flourishment. We see a God who brings order out of disorder. And so in, in the creation, we see God bringing order out of chaos. But soon after the creation of man, chaos enters yet again, right? So you guys know the story. You guys heard it just, just last week. After God creates man, they bring in chaos because God says, you can freely eat of all of the trees in the garden except for this tree you may not eat. And so the man and woman that God had brought into the world rebelled against God's goodness, bringing chaos into the world. And then we see in Genesis chapter 3, God said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You see, in that moment, the man and the woman, when they sinned, they brought chaos into God's world yet again. Sin and death have entered into our world, and we're very aware of this, aren't we? See, we're infected ourselves with this disease of sin. This is why we want what we know is bad for us. We want what we know is bad for us. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not even enough that we know it's bad for us. See, it's not our knowledge that's the problem. It's what we want. Our hearts are yearning after something that's even more powerful than what we can even intellectually know. See, our hearts are powerful, very powerful, and they're also infected with this chaos of sin. And so there is now, because of Adam, this sickness and chaos of sin within us all. And this is why you might have tension with a friend. Or maybe this is, this is why you, you struggle with jealousy and comparison. This might even be why you struggle with anger and moments of rage. You see, within us all is this disorder of affections, this disorder of values. Our hearts are out of order. Our hearts are full of chaos. And so the Bible says that, that when Adam and Eve have done this act of rebellion against God, the Bible says that they were, 
naked. Can I get an amen? All right? And so <laughs> this, this word doesn't mean that, they, that Adam finally realized that he wasn't wearing pants, right? Uh, it, it, it's not like they were totally oblivious to the fact that they weren't wearing clothes. When the Bible says that they were naked, the word here is a different word than than the author previously used. This word describes the fact that they were exposed in judgment, that they were uncovered. And maybe you've experienced this in your life. Maybe you've done something against someone or said something against someone's, uh, behind someone's back, and then they find out. In that moment, you feel exposed or uncovered in judgment. And that's exactly what this is describing. They, they felt naked and exposed in ju- judgment. And this is the helpless state in which we find ourselves. Sinfully broken, east of Eden, with no way of getting back. But in the midst of their chaos, there is this glimpse of hope. You see, when they're, they're naked and ashamed, they run off into the bushes and they hide themselves from God. God runs after them. And he says, where are you? And this is exactly the response of God to us. Because when we sin, we think that we should run from God. But we also think that God has run from us. But in this text, God said, the word of God says that he pursues us. And that's what we said. And so maybe you're here tonight and you don't believe any of this. This is all new to you. Or maybe this is something that isn't new to you. Maybe you've grown up in church your whole life, and you've heard this again and again and again, but you're, you're running from God. In this text, we see a God that's running after you, and he won't let you go. And that brings us tremendous hope. God runs after the man and the woman. He won't leave them in their shame and chaos. He won't leave them in their hopelessness. Rather, he gives them a glimpse of hope. And we see this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. See, God promises that one day a deliverer will come. And he will, he will bring them life and flourishment. He will crush the head of the serpent. In other words, this deliverer will come and overrule the wickedness and evil and bring peace and order into our chaos. See, the focus of this next few chapters is on this deliverer. Because God says that this deliverer will come from the seed of the woman or the offspring of Adam and Eve. And so their hope is in a son that will finally come from this family of Adam and Eve. And so um, in this next few chapters, we read about this family line, except this family line doesn't seem hopeful. It's like super unhopeful. And we see this in Genesis 5, um, where it describes that Adam had a son, and his name was Seth. And then it goes, Seth had a son, and Adam died, and then Seth had a son, and then Seth died, right? And then Seth's son had a son, and then he died. And over and over and over, we read of this genealogy or this this family line, and at the end of it, like, go home and read this in your quiet time tomorrow, right? It's like super encouraging. You're left with the thought that everyone dies. And it's super encouraging, right? So this family line where this deliverer is going to come seems hopeless, And then in Genesis 5, right near the end, it zooms in on one person out of this family line. 
and it focuses, it's as if it narrows right into this one person, and we're left wondering, is this the deliverer? Is this the one who will rescue us from the grips of sin? And we pick up our story in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 28. The word of God says, when Lamech had lived 182 years, that is a long time. He lives 182 years. He fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground. Notice this with me. What did God curse when Adam and Eve sinned? He cursed the ground, right? He fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from the work, from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Okay, everyone in this room who has a job totally resonates with, with this, right? Like if you work at Triple O's, anyone work at Triple O's? Okay, no one. But if you, if you were to work at Triple O's, right, uh, you would resonate with this so much because what, what, um, what Noah's dad is saying and hoping is that Noah will bring us deliverance from hard work. And you're like, yes, that's exactly what I want. I want rest from hard work. But when we look a little closer, Noah's father is desperate for deliverance. He has seen generation after generation plagued with this chaos and sin within their hearts. He's seen man after man live a life of sin and then die. And so he's desperate for deliverance. His people have worked very hard to bring, try to bring themselves to this Garden of Eden, to this place where things are at right in the world. And so when Noah is born, he looks down at his son and he calls him Noah. And it's interesting, the name Noah means rest. It's as if Noah's father is longing for someone to come and say to the people around him, all who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. And he's longing for this type of deliverer to come. And so... Noah's dad has this glimpse of hope, hope that they can be delivered to a world where things are right. And we have this hope within us. Every time we see something that, that's wrong, maybe an injustice against someone, or maybe something wrong against you, and you clinch, right? You see somebody hurt, or you see something bad happen to someone, you clinch. In that moment, what you're, what you're thinking is something isn't right about the world around us. And you're longing for a world where things all right. And so Noah's dad has this glimpse that a deliverer will come from his family line. And this deliverer is Noah. And so Noah has come to reverse the curse and to bring judgment and rest. And that's a lot to live up to, right? Like when your dad thinks that you're going to be the deliverer of the world and like rescue you for, rescue humanity from sin, right? So like you can imagine Noah in school right? And he's sitting around with his boys, you know, sipping on his juice box or doing whatever he's, he's doing, maybe eating some pita bread. And uh, he's, he's hanging with the boys, right? And uh, some of the kids are like talking about what they're going to do when they're, when they're older. Maybe they're like, I'm going to be like my dad. I'm going to be a carpenter, right? The other kid, he's like, you know, when I'm older, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a restaurant, right? I, I want to I be a chef, right? I want to cook delicious food. And, and the other one's like, well, you know, I, I, want to, I want to be a teacher, 
right? And so after all of his friends, you know, look, look, they tell all their friends what they're going to do. They look at Noah. And it becomes silent. And they look at Noah, and he's slurping on his juice box, you know, not really wanting to answer. And they say, hey, Noah, what would you like to do when you're, when you're older? And he kind of looks down, and he, he thinks, you know, well, my dad thinks that I'm going to, you know, do away with evil and bring rest to the world and, you know, save all of the world from pretty much every bad thing that's ever happened. You know, my dad has high hopes for me, but you know what? I just like to play basketball, you know. I, I have dreams, but th- that's what my dad says. And that's a lot to live up to, right? A lot to live up to when your dad has these high expectations that you are going to rescue the world from the toil of their hands. And so God has this plan. The Bible says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So not only does Noah's father have high aspirations for his son, but the Lord looks at Noah and finds favor in him, and he gives him a task. You guys know the story, right? Anyone here ever hear the Noah story? Noah's, Noah's ark, right? His zoo boat. Um, and so God comes to Noah, and he says, I am going to clean the earth of sin. I am going to remove all sin in the earth, and I'm going, to, I'm going to do this through a huge flood. And so Noah builds this ark, right? And so God has seen the wickedness of humanity, that the, the intentions of their heart were only evil continually. And so God had a plan to start over, to wipe the world clean, and to start with a new beginning. Maybe you're familiar with that story. But the story you're probably less familiar with is that this text, this story is meant, the story of the flood is meant to make us think of the story of creation, right? There's there's many similarities. You you can think of, of this one. The whole earth in the flood is covered with water just like it was at the beginning when it was covered with water and darkness, That the spirit hovered over the water of the flood just like the spirit hovered over the face of the deep in creation. We see that in the flood, dry land appears out of the water just like in creation, God makes the dry land appear out of the water. And on that dry land, just like creation, God puts a new man and his family, except instead of Adam, it's now Noah. Just like in the creation account with Adam, God looks at Noah and he says, I want you to have dominion over the earth. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And just like in the creation account, God looks at Noah and he reminds him that he's made in the image of God. And so maybe tonight you're familiar with Noah and his zoo boat and you're familiar with the great flood. But I also want you, want you to know that this creation, this, this new creation that we see in the story of the flood, it's clear that Noah is supposed to picture a new Adam and a new creation. It's as if God is saying, I have wiped away the sin of humanity and I am starting with a new beginning. This is a new day and a new start. And so Noah and his family, they step out off of the ark. And I can imagine this world looks drastically different than the world that they had remembered, that the world that they knew. And it looks drastically different. And so the first thing we see that Noah does when he gets off the boat is he begins to worship. The Bible says that he built this altar. 
And he began to worship God because he had just experienced the goodness and the faithfulness of God in his life where God spared him and his family. And so we're left at the end of the flood wondering, has Noah delivered us from the painful toil of our hands? Has he dealt with the chaos and curse of sin? But later in the story we read, Noah began to be a man of the soil. Again, just like Noah, he's in a garden and he's creating culture and he's having dominion. And so we see this new Adam in a new garden. And the Bible says he planted a vineyard. He drank the wine. See, this is a good thing. He's creating something good. He drank the wine and he became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. You see, Noah, who seemed to be this promised deliverer, ends up in a garden naked and ashamed just like Adam. You see, God even eradicated all of the external forces of sin. Every influence of sin, every uh, temptation, God had removed it in a flood. And yet the heart of Adam was plagued with sin, just like every other man in his family line. And so we see this Adam, we see this new Adam, and sin has entered the garden just as violently as it has before. And so we think, has God's plan failed? I thought God was going to start over. I thought this was a new beginning, a new day with a new hope, with a new deliverer, a new Adam. Has God's plan failed? Does God have the power to save us from this sin deep-rooted in our heart? Can God change my ways? Can God deliver me from this pattern of sin? You see, these people would have wondered, does God have the power to save us from this sin? And so this shows us that sin is not an issue of what's out there, but what's in our heart. Because remember, God had removed every external force of sin, and it was just Adam. And so it was just Noah. This shows us that you need a deliverer who can change the state of your heart. Noah may not have lived up to the aspirations of his father, but he kept the hope alive of a future day where a deliverer would come from his line. See, Noah would have sons and he would be fruitful and he would multiply and there would become this other man, this new Adam, and his name was Jesus. And at the birth of Jesus, his father too has high aspirations of him. Just like Noah's father looks at Noah and says, His name shall be called Noah, for he shall deliver his people from the painful toil of their sins. The Bible says in the book of Matthew that the father looked down at his son and he says, His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The difference between Jesus and Noah is that Jesus actually had the power to not only change our circumstances, but to change our hearts. See, we need a deliverer who can not just wipe the world clean of sin, but who can change our hearts. See, on the cross, Jesus took all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your failures, 
and the floodwaters of God's wrath washed over him instead of you. See, we stand behind the cross and Jesus absorbed God's wrath in full for us so that we wouldn't have to. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so maybe you find yourself just like Noah's dad, desperately waiting a deliverer, desperately awaiting someone who can change your heart because you know that your heart is restless. Your heart is chaotic within your heart. Maybe, maybe in your heart there's anger and bitterness. Or maybe there's jealousy. Maybe within your heart is lust. Or maybe you're trying to fill your heart with different pleasures and different things. And that's why you spend so many dollars just buying clothes or, or, or things because you think it can satisfy you. But none of those things will be enough to change the state of your heart. It's only Jesus, friends. It's only Jesus. So I just want to leave you with one challenge, with one question. Is Jesus enough? Is he enough to satisfy you? See, we just sang a song. I love this song. Jesus is better. In all my sorrows and any victories, Jesus is better. But then it says, make my heart believe. I, would, I think it would be a miracle of the Holy Spirit who would rush upon us tonight if he began to increase your faith to believe that Jesus is enough. Would you believe that with me? Let's pray. God, we love you. And God, we see your love for us, that you would not leave us in our sin, but you ran after us, forsaking yourself and your comfort and rescuing humanity for your glory, for your honor. And so maybe you're here tonight. And what I said to you makes makes so much sense. Maybe within your heart right now, you know the pain in your heart. You know the sin. You know the sorrows. You know the regrets. You can cry out to Jesus right now. There's going to be prayer in the back when we sing this song, and you can, you can come to know Jesus tonight. But maybe tonight, maybe you do know Jesus. Maybe tonight's the night where you receive rest from that one thing that, that you're struggling to believe that God could change, that one thing that you believe that, that God could never do.